This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, our music director, Alain Trudel, principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and we have the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny. It, it is a full house today. It's nice to have everybody here as our season is starting to draw to a close, and we're looking ahead to what's going on next season. And Today we're going to talk about something that I've never talked about before. This is such a fascinating, interesting concept that you all are bringing to Toledo audiences, and that is Maria Callas, Callas in Concert. I know tickets have just gone on sale for this event, but um, we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet in Symphony Lab. So I wanted to take the opportunity to really kind of you know dig beneath the surface and let people know what it is that they have in store for them. I want to say, first of all, Callison Concert is happening at the Stranahan Theater, September 10th, 2019. It's at 8 o'clock p.m. As I mentioned, tickets are on sale. You can get them at 419-246-8000 or toledosymphony.com. Callis in Concert, obviously, Maria Callis, who wants to take the lead and give us an introduction into what this concert is all about. Go ahead, Zach. So I'm very excited to think about this idea that Maria Callas is singing in Toledo. And that's especially impressive given that she's the greatest opera singer of the 20th century. And she's been dead since 1977. <laughs> so uh, I, I should I should mention at the beginning here, this is a co-production with the Stranahan Theater, uh, and they will be celebrating their uh, 50th anniversary in the fall. So uh, we're, we're very excited to partner with them on this. Uh, they wanted to do a project that would uh, recognize the symphony, who was one of the original performers, if not the original performer at the Stranahan 50 years ago, I think with a performance of Beethoven's Ninth. Yeah. And um, also show the best technological capabilities of the theater. And um, you know, when you look around, there probably aren't that many programs that can do that uh, outside of some of the movie presentations we've done. Uh, but uh, this Maria Callas uh, concept uh, came, um, I guess, came up about a year ago. And um, we've been talking with the Stranahan about it. They're very excited about the idea. Opera is a very celebratory genre, and uh, it fits with that anniversary very nicely. Yeah, well, uh, you did the uh, the Star Wars concert at the Hunnikin Center not too long ago, and that was remarkable in that it it married you know film with the music happening there, and, and it was such a remarkable experience. I, I can't help but think that this experience with bringing Callus back from the dead is going to be sort of along those lines. You know, it's an interesting performance concept. She is a hologram, right? And and when I hear that word, I think of like you know. Uh, Star Trek and the holograms. Or on... CNN elections. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. They're all related. But but let's talk a little bit about the, the, the technical aspects of this concert because you're bringing Maria Callas. I've seen a video of it. You can find a video if you go looking online. You can see a video of an actual concert of her singing and she does remarkable things that you know you can't do in nature but she can do because she's a hologram well, and and you can go to the Toledo Symphony website uh, go to the performance uh, listing for Maria Callas and uh, there's a, a a link to a YouTube video of what you're describing yeah. um, it's the card aria from uh, from Carmen and uh, it it shows the quality of the hologram this isn't sort of a flickery 
uh, hologram of uh, Princess Leia asking uh, for Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, this is <laughs> although a, that would be cool too. <laughs> this is a full uh, full size hologram, and it it looks incredible. And yeah. uh, it's the product of a company called Base Hologram, and uh, they've been working on this technology for a very long time. What I've seen of the video, it's obvious that that the people who created the hologram and married the technology with the artist really knew their stuff when it came to Maria Callas mm-hmm. because they've they've got her inflections right, they've got the way that she carries herself and moves and and communicates with the conductor as well, which I thought was remarkable. And, and it's not it's not an animation of Maria Callas. This is actual footage from a uh, a recital, recital. nineteen fifty nine in Hamburg, I think. Yeah, yeah. and so that's. The kind of they take that as kind of the two dimensional template, and then are able to use that technology to really create the the experience that you're seeing the three dimensional person come back from the dead. Yeah. Now this company, Bass Hologram, they've they've done other singers, right? That they've sort of resurrected. They have a the past a Roy Orbison Roy Orbison show, and I think they're working on an Amy Winehouse show right now. Yeah, wow. Well, I read a review of this uh, technology when it first came out. There was a preview of Callis in concert, and uh, Anthony Tomasini wrote about it in the New York Times. And you know, I mean, he he sort of had mixed feelings about it because there's something to be said for hearing somebody in the flesh. But then again, we're talking about Maria Callas. It's impossible to experience that artistry in the flesh. This is the next best thing. And he was saying, you know, it, it works for what it is. And he also pointed out that thing about uh, the, the hologram and her doing the cards in, in the air, which, you know, you can see in that video on the website. She throws the, the gypsies cards up in the air and Carmen, and they, they hover there over yeah. her for a mm-hmm. minute, right? And uh, Anthony Tomasini uh, talking about that in New York Times saying, hey, if you're going to be a hologram, you're going to do this. Don't just recreate the concert. Take advantage of the technology. And I think the reason they do that moment where they freeze the cards and um, then they gently let them flicker down to the stage, it's a remarkable effect. And I I hope people check it out on the website. Um, It's I think it's it's there because we have to be reminded that it's not real. So they have to play with something like gravity. And the amazing thing is, as the cards are hanging suspended in the air, and then they start to trickle down slowly, um, you can still see Maria Callas's red scarf kind of moving. Yeah. So it's it's not like they just hit pause. It's some things are moving and some things aren't. It's yeah. it's magical. Yeah. The attention to detail is just remarkable. Now, tell us how this came to be. I mean, how did Callas and Concert get on your radar, and how did it end up coming to Toledo? Uh, well, we've been talking with the Stranahan about a way to celebrate their their fiftieth anniversary, and you know they get approached by all sorts of different productions. We get approached by all sorts of different managers, um, and uh, Steve Hyman, their their executive director, uh, came to us about um, I guess about eighteen months ago, trying to think of something that we could do. Um, we had heard about the Callison concert uh, from a, an a agent that we work a lot with, who then no longer supported the show. Uh, Steve had heard about it as well and was very interested in pursuing it. Um, so, but he can't do it just as a theater; he needs an orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it, it ended up being just a, a, a really great uh, opportunity to do this and to do it at the beginning of their season aligns with their anniversary. To do it at the beginning of our season really kicks things off nicely, and. Um, you know, I think it's a it, it's it's a strong start. 
It's just a fascinating idea. You think of all the great singers of the past and who you would like to see. I, I basically have two on that list. That would be uh, Enrico Caruso and Callas, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, that is somebody. And somebody with a voice who, you know, you, you either love it or you hate it. There's that, that Callas yeah. sound. And I know, yeah. Alain, you can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Callas as a singer and the sound of the voice. But before we do that, I wonder if we can take a minute and actually listen to uh, Callis herself. I want to play a recording of her singing Casta Diva, which is the, the big aria from the opera Norma, one of her uh, signature roles. And um, this is done under the baton of uh, her mentor, Tulio Serafine, a recording. I'm not quite sure when she made this recording, but I think she was pretty well in her prime. We're going to listen to this. We'll have to truncate this for the uh, podcast version of it, but anybody can find this online yeah. or on YouTube. Remarkable when, when you just listen to it that way and are able to focus on the sound mm-hmm. that she did, that Arya Kastadiva, which translates to chaste uh, goddess, right? So every time you're calling somebody a diva, you're actually calling them a goddess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your Italian lesson for the day. That was performed under the uh, baton of her mentor, the uh, great Italian conductor, Tullio Serafine, who had uh, a nickname for her. He called her una grande vocaccia, which means a great rough voice or a great ugly voice. <laughs> and, and it's interesting. It speaks a little bit to uh, the sound, that callous sound. You know, some of her vowels are in an interesting position and she has this interesting timbre. But again, that's what makes her stand out. That's what makes her instantly recognizable. You know, um, Elaine, you, you've conducted so many operas. Do you remember, like, your introduction to Maria Callas, so the first time that you um, you heard her singing? Actually, it was that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Cause, just cause, now? Yeah, probably. probably <laughs> but no, 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 not just now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this recording. Uh, probably probably her best, her best recording or the, yeah. of, of anything. Uh, this is Callas uh, in her prime, yes, but also, like, you know, fantastic what what she has that's very special for me is a a total dedication to the artistry total mm-hmm. dedication to the role that she's doing uh, the thing we have with singers often is that uh, you have very talented singers that have i don't know maybe for sometimes a superstition of not uh, going so deep into the what they have to do because they think they're going to lose some spontaneity or something yeah. or or you know they're going to lose a bit of their talent i don't know what it is but it happens very often and then you have the singers that are a little bit uh, marginal can i say <laughs> you know, okay can you say that is, is that something you know they they they're not uh, the standard voice that you would you right. know, think of a of little a rough around the edges. Yeah, right? like like Kalas, uh, but some of them I don't know. It's uh, the, such dedication. When you listen to her, and what's for me, it's very important as how she lives 
the silence and the music. When she mm. takes a breath, it's not a technical breath. It has to be, of course, but like especially, in, and this, this is a perfect excerpt for for people to have an introduction to Kala Studio or artistry is that there's a calmness and it's not, it's calmness and uh, uh, fatality. You, know? yeah, you, right. you listen to it and there's something that's very troubling and that's very, at the same time, static in the sense that it's not you know there's something the, the fatality that's the only word i can think of then you now that will happen that that's very dramatic and that's opera in a nutshell right yeah yeah a, a great sense of uh you know of, of fate yeah, yeah, <laughs> going exactly. on in her voice i've always said that um her passion is ferocious mm. and her vulnerability which might be what you're reaching for but her vulnerability is heartbreaking yeah and um it's uh it doesn't work everywhere, but she makes it work anywhere. Well, there's something to be said just listening to her voice and her interpretation of that role and the pathos that she brings to it through her sound that is on par with like the greatest actors of the mm -hmm. theater and, mm -hmm. and the screen where she you, you have the sense of security in, in knowing that, oh, this is what she's doing. She knows 100% what she's doing with that voice and the technique is there, and she's doing exactly what she means to do. She's taking you along for the ride with her. That's, uh, yeah, let, let me continue on that. Is that some of the greatest singers, talking about taking for a ride, is that yeah. they sometimes they drive us a little crazy conductors because you know they but but they're always going somewhere and i would rather conduct somebody who's who makes everybody you know you're on your toes you say oh my god is, is it ever going to end that phrase or is there yeah. something but at the same time if you buy into it you have to buy into it as much as they buy into it and then it's easy. They can be the most complicated singers to conduct, or they can actually be, it can actually be quite simple. Yeah. There's a few singers that I work with kind of regularly that uh, other of my colleagues, they say, oh, you don't want to work with that person. My God, it's impossible to follow. It's impossible if you're thinking of what you want to do or what should be the standard of something. Mm. Uh, but, you know, everybody can do a standard version of something. Yeah. And and if somebody takes it a step forward and, and then a, a lot of steps forward and until you're right on the edge of something, which is where she lived, on the edge of, you know, it's either sublime or the abyss, you know, mm -hmm. and you're always, uh, you're talking about fragility, you know, and it's always on the edge of that. When you work with performers like that, then it's not always, you know, perfect, but yeah. but it's it's always meaningful and there's always something special happening. It's art. In some yeah, ways, it's exactly. much more artistically, you know, full than, than the other thing. Absolutely. Felicia. You know, when I was listening to the recording just now, um, this, this story that was kind of circulating social media, I think a couple of years ago, kind of popped into my head. And I think it's fitting. It was a story of a dad who um, had saved all these I'm probably going to get choked up talking about Aww. this. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> this dad <laughs> saving all these voicemails um, from his little girl, mm. and then she um, passed away. And um, he lost all the voicemails somehow because of just technology. I don't know, something yeah. happened, and he tried to get that back. And um, to me, when Callis uh, passed away, the world mourned her loss. Yeah. And... Um, having this opportunity to bring her back 
and to create new memories is something that's just so, so remarkable. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but Callis was somebody who was in the public consciousness in a way that very few opera singers are today. And that was due not only to her singing, but also, you know, her affair with uh, Aristotle Onassis and the relationship there with Jackie O coming into the picture. And there's a lot of stuff that, that didn't even necessarily portray who she was, mm -hmm. but she became like a media celebrity, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day. And I actually have a question or two about that coming up in my little callous quiz. Go ahead, Zach. I just want to say that, you know, it, um, I think Felicia's emotional reaction is right, is that yeah. there, there's a way that if you go out and you say, they're going to make a hologram of Maria Callas and they're going to do a concert, that sounds to some that uh, somehow we're capitalizing on somebody's image or we're trying to just broadcast something again. Mm. And, uh, and I, was a, a, I was a skeptic at you, first. You were a skeptic, yeah. 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 But then you see how beautifully it's done and how much of her personality they've been able to maintain through video. Mm. And it's in some ways the most loving tribute that you can make to somebody who did so much for music and moved so many people. And if you if you read any of the reviews, of which there have been a few now, of these of this performance elsewhere, you have um, hardened music critics <laughs> admitting who go, who go in there with the uh, being skeptical, yeah, yeah. very skeptical. But yeah. but they admit to crying by the end of this yeah. and uh, looking around the audience at people who are begging for an encore from what? Yeah, from from and, a, and if you clap enough, she will do an encore. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this th whole thing is an encore. But it is, yeah, it is an encore. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Well played. But yeah. you know, it's it just shows that at some point, I mean, and maybe it's appropriate for opera, which is rooted in such theater, um, where you suspend your disbelief. But as you're watching this, um, you you can't help but believe that it is real, and you're applauding, desiring an encore. Yeah. Yeah. Very important point you're making that it, it's not exploitive in any way. It, mm -hmm. It's very much in the mold of a, of a tribute and possibly, probably, especially here in Toledo, introducing a lot of people to Maria Callas and her artistry that were not familiar with it. I mean, it, it's a really a once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity to see an artist like this. And, and it could be a really good gateway to the art form too. You know, yeah. for example, I know she'll be performing an aria from Macbeth mm -hmm. and just a few weeks later in early October, Toledo Opera will be presenting all of Verdi's Macbeth. So wow. yeah. you know, there could be a really great uh, linkage there from what we're doing to seeing live opera at the Valentine. Fantastic. Well, in the amount of time that we have left, I want to get in my little callous quiz because this also has to deal with aspects of Maria Callas and her artistry her life that folks may not know about. Uh, I do have a little uh, music I'm going to bring up here. Elaine will be familiar <laughs> with this. <laughs> Elaine having just conducted Carmen. This is your cast recording, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is the holographic version of the habanera. Right? Okay, very quickly. First question. What city was Maria Callas born in? Was it Athens, New York, or Columbus, Ohio? Athens? I would say Athens. Not Athens. Any other guesses? I'll say New York. Good one. Born in New York. But when she was young, her family, her parents separated. She went with her mom back to Greece. Right? Okay. She sang her very first opera at age 15, portraying a woman scorned. And it's a role that she never actually sang on stage in her career. Oh, I shouldn't have said that now because you'll get it. But was it Santuzza? 
in Cavalleria Rusticana? Was it Donna Elvira in Don Giovanni, or was it Norma in Norma? Which of those did she sing at age 15 and get, like, incredible reviews? I'm going to say Donna Elvira. I don't think I've heard her sing. Really? No. And we know it wasn't Norma, actually. No, because yeah. you just did it, yeah. Yeah, this is a role that she only recorded, which, which leaves one. Anybody remember what it was? Santuzza. <laughs> Santuzza. But that's so yes. funny. I think because of the recording that I, I, and I couldn't remember a, a Donna Elvira from yeah. Maria Callas. Now, Maria Callas, like many singers, had uh, nicknames. You know, you think of Joan Sutherland and La Stupenda. Yeah. Callas was called La Divina. She was also, when she was young, they used to call her the God-given when she was back in Greece. But what was her other nickname? You have a choice here. Three of them, all in Italian. Was it La Vespa, the Wasp? Was it La Tigressa, the Tigress? Or was it La Sirena, the Siren? Siren as in, like, Greek mythology. Which of those was also a nickname for her? She seems like a tiger, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nicely done. Yeah, the Tigress. Speaking to her supposedly, you know, temperamental self. Okay, a turning point in her career was while she was at uh, La Fenice Opera in Venice. She was singing Brunhilde, actually, (laughs) believe it or not. And uh, while she was singing Brunhilde, another soprano got sick. She was asked to learn this role in six days and perform it alongside Brunhilde, which she did, and it set her off in the whole bel canto phase of her career. So you're going to tell me what the role was. Was it Lucia in Lucia di Lammermoor? Was it Norma in Norma? Or was it Elvira in I Puritani by Bellini, who also wrote Norma? This is just going to be a guess, I assume. Uh, I Lucia? Think it- Lucia? No, close. No, this is her first big bel canto role. Close how? <laughs> close, close to the other two? It's either A, B, or exactly. C. They have to be close. There are three of them. They're yeah. all bel canto roles. It's a triangle. <laughs> Take a shot. Uh, Bellini. Well, the other two are by Bellini. Nice. No, it was Elvira. Elvira, all right. And Ipuritani. Where did she make her American debut? Was it 1954? Was it in Chicago, New York, or San Francisco? I think it was San Francisco. No. I think it was Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can edit that to make it sound like you got the first right, uh, the first answer right. Yeah. yeah. But it was won't. in Chicago. It was <laughs> no, actually. Don't do that. It, it, that's a big deal for Chicago because it was the first season of Chicago Lyric Opera, which they called wow. something else at the time. Hmm. But it was their first season. They brought over Maria Callas. She sang Norma. Hmm. And really, only one other soprano tried to sing Norma, I think, in the 50s, a soprano whose name I can't even remember. And then June Anderson did it again in the 1990s. Wow. And I, I was singing at uh, Lyric Opera Chicago then, and I had to sing in the chorus for that show, so I was actually in that production of Norma. And I remember at rehearsals, June Anderson would always do Maria Callas impersonations. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, the ghost of Callas was like hovering yeah. over the whole production. Remarkable You're two degrees production. separated from Maria Callas. Exactly. Okay. When Maria Callas debuted in New York, Time Magazine made a, a big deal out of her feud with, was it Renata Scotto, was it Renata Tabaldi, or was it Elizabeth Schwarzkopf? Which one of those did she have an infamous feud I want to say it was Tabaldi, wasn't it? Yay! It, well, it was Tabaldi. Exactly. 
although evidently Time Magazine made like a More big of deal it out of it. Yeah. 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 So this leads me to segue into the final four questions here, which are who said it, Callus or Tabaldi? These are quotes. <laughs> and you tell me if it was Maria Callus who said this or Renata Tabaldi. Here's the first one. I was in love many times. This is very good for a woman. Was that Renata Tabaldi or Maria Callas? I would say Tabaldi. Yay! Okay, Zach, good. I prepare myself for rehearsals like I would for marriage. Who said that, Callas or Tabaldi? Callas. Yay! <laughs> good. Wow, you guys are good at this. Okay. I will always be as difficult as necessary to achieve the best. You should be able Callous. to say Callas. Callas. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's unanimous. <laughs> a family. I have a huge international family. That's all I need. Who said that? Tabaldi. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Four for four. You guys are breezing right through this. Okay, here's the final quote. An opera begins long before the curtain goes up and ends long after it has come down. It starts in my imagination. It becomes my life, and it stays part of my life long after I've left the opera house. Who said that? That's a great oh, quote. That's a great quote. Brad Cresswell. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I just said it. I, I was, you know, reading other somebody else's words, but I did say it. Yeah. No, who would that be? Callus or Tibaldi? That's Come Cal- on, guys. Cal- who are we talking about today? Callus. Callus, yeah. You have to add that. Yes. It's a great Maria Callus, yeah. indeed. Anything else that we want to say before we turn it over? People ask how it works. And I, I, I'd love to peek behind the curtain just a little bit and look at the technological uh, preparations for this show because it goes back to this uh, old 19 or 1890s effect where they would create the sense that a ghost was on stage in like old mm. uh, theatrical productions. And it's called Pepper's Ghost. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's there's a series They have that of, at an imagination station. They do. A little they dog do. in yeah. a doghouse. That's yeah. right. So it's the same thing. So there's a projector that's basically under the stage, projecting onto a mirror, which then reflects up onto a scrim on the stage so that it looks like Maria Callas is, is standing front and center, and it allows um, effects to happen, like her image then reflects on the stage yeah, yeah. as 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 it would I if wondered it were real. how that was done when yeah. I saw the video of because it because if you just broadcast from a, a projector at the back of the hall it, you wouldn't get that effect yeah um and it's it's it also creates a sense of of reality which is outstanding because you can do more with that um and for those who don't understand how this works uh, if you've ever seen a teleprompter you have something that is on a television down at the floor mm-hmm. backwards or upside down and then it reflects on an angled surface on the teleprompter that uh, a politician or a speaker might use and they can see it but people on the other side can't so right. it's exactly that technology that it will be maria callas but reverse so that we can see it i think yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> so we will be the the reader in that scenario yeah but it, it's just incredible what they've been able to do but what do you see merwin when you're on the other side of the fence as it were i mean you're sitting in the orchestra can, can you see her like in reverse or do you know we're what, looking what? at music yeah <laughs> good answer and a conductor and a conductor i was just gonna say <laughs> good, good answer for that one so it sounds like a fascinating uh, technological accomplishment. Yeah. I mean, it really you know gives uh, Disney World a run for its money. <laughs> well, Thinking of the haunted house, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. I think when 
you've had the chance to listen to the recording and be captivated by the recording, it's almost humbling to realize that, you know, that's only half of her artistry because mm -hmm. she was she was just a dramatic embodiment of every character. Yeah. And so when you were talking about how you, you know, there were two singers that you really wanted to see, you know, she is as incredibly important to see visually as she is to hear. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there's something that, you know, there are there are other voices that maybe you don't feel the need to attempt to see, but you really, <laughs> yeah. you know, you really want to be able to well, yeah. watch her embody a character and to shift the characters from aria to aria. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. And I think because her voice was so in internalized, mm -hmm. and you can hear that when you listen to it, but seeing it is kind of startling to see that voice coming out of a, a real person and yeah. to see her emoting mm -hmm. and acting in such a way. They've done it in such a way that it, it seems perfectly natural. It yeah. seems choreographed in the same way that her voice is choreographed that we talked about before. Yeah. So it's just a remarkable experience. There are points when she reaches for a note, like she's trying to get her voice up to where she wants it to go. Yeah. And you can see that. I mean, it's it's not a surprise that people still buy DVDs of operas that were recorded in the 50s with right. her because they want to watch it. Yeah. I, and, and also, you know, the flip side of that, the fact that Callus has sort of been picked apart and, and every single little thing that she ever recorded has been released to the public. I'm right. sure she would be appalled to know that <laughs> right. all of those recordings and those bootleg yeah, yeah. recordings where she wasn't necessarily singing at her best, mm -hmm. especially toward the end of her career when she right. was still going right. on tour, you know, with Giuseppe Di Stefano, and it, they they were not at their best. But it, it's it's a fantastic representation of her at the height of her powers and That's sort right. of sets the mm -hmm. record straight, right? Yeah. To see this event uh, in, in concert. And I should say the whole production is, uh, is directed by uh, a famous uh, opera director uh, named Stephen Wadsworth, who yeah. also created the, um, the play uh, um, masterclass. masterclass about oh, yeah. Maria Callas. Yeah, I I know he directed Masterclass, mm -hmm. Terrence McNally. That's play. right, Terrence McNally created it. He yeah. directed it. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Wadsworth, really well respected. Uh, he, he's brought a lot of credibility to this whole project. That's true. Well, that's about all the time that we have. The concert again is happening in September. It's September tenth at eight o'clock p.m. This is at the Stranahan Theater, celebrating their 50th anniversary of co-production with Toledo Symphony. Maria Callas in concert. Tickets on sale at 419-246-8000 or toledosymphony.com. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. My thanks to Zach Vassar, Merwin Sue, Elaine Trudell, and Felicia Canny. I'm Brad Cresswell. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.